Today's episode of A New Beginning is brought to you by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Learn more at harvest.org. And while you're there, browse our library of free ebooks designed to help you grow in your faith. God wants to unfold His will to each and every one of us. But Pastor Greg Laurie says, don't expect a to-do list to come floating down from heaven. It's a change made on the inside. God's will is not an itinerary, it's an attitude. So I read the Word of God, I pray for direction, and I just start taking steps. And guess what? I find myself smack dab in the will of God. Let's understand God's way becomes clear when we start walking in it. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. We all want certain things for our children. We want them to be healthy and happy. We want them to make good choices foremost among them being accept Jesus as their Savior. But our kids reach a certain point, and the principles we taught them are working their way into the specific choices they make. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie says our Heavenly Father's guidance is similar. The closer we get to God and His values, the more we'll know that we're walking in His ways. Does God still speak to people today? I mean, let's be honest. When someone says God's been talking to them, we get a little suspicious, sometimes a little concerned. Does God talk to us? Does the Lord speak to us? Does God Almighty actually have a master plan for our lives? And if so, how do I discover it? How can I learn how to know the voice of God. How can I know the will of God? Because we all need direction in life. If you're single, you're thinking, how am I going to know who to marry? I don't want to make the wrong choice. So that's something on your mind. If you're in college, you're thinking about, what should my major be? You're thinking about, what should my career be? And then as you move on in life, you have other questions. We need supernatural input on these things. Well, we have two views that maybe are not accurate. View number one is we think finding God's will is really hard. God's sort of hiding it from us, sort of like a celestial Easter bunny is not telling us where the golden egg is. You know when you have an Easter egg hunt, there's the golden egg. That's the one that has a little money in it or something extra. Where is it? And we think the Lord's up there saying, you're getting warmer, warmer, hot, hot, no, cold, cold, cold. So it's something we can never find. Or the opposite view is we think God's will is something undesirable. It's not good. Sort of like a diet. Is there a happy diet out there? It just seems like every diet I've ever seen or any diet I've ever gone on is it's either boring or it's horrible. And you know, and so, and basically the rule of all diets is if you want to eat it, it's probably not in your diet. Or maybe that's just me. Because I'm drawn to all the wrong foods. I'll tell you that right now. I'm drawn to hamburgers and burritos. And I'm drawn to pizza. Oh man, come on. I Hot bread, dessert. But everything else I can resist, right? So 
So we think of God's will that way. Oh, if it's God's will, it can't be good. It can't be desirable. It's gonna be bad. It's gonna be miserable. That is false as well. So it's not like God is hiding it from us. And it's not like the will of God isn't good. So what is it? Here's the thing you need to know. There is joy in the will of God. There's joy in the will of God. Romans 15, 22, Paul says that I may come to you in joy by the will of God. So when you're walking in God's will, there's joy. Let me flip that around. When you're not walking in God's will, there's misery. The most miserable place to be is outside of God's will. If you don't believe me, ask Jonah someday. He found out how that works out the hard way. So God's will is joyful. So why does God want to reveal His will to me? Because God is my friend. And friends share secrets with friends. Remember Abraham is uniquely called the friend of God. And we're told over in the book of Genesis, the Lord speaking, shall I hide from Abraham the thing that I'm about to do? Say, well that's great for Abraham. No, it's great for you too. Because Jesus said, I no longer call you servants but friends because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But everything I've heard from my father I have revealed to you. God as your friend wants to reveal his will. God is your friend. Listen to this. Wants to reveal his secrets to you as well. Because the Bible says in Psalm 25, 14, the secret of the Lord is with those that fear him. There are things God wants to unfold in your life and unveil in your life, but you need to learn to tune in. We're taught to seek the will of God in the Lord's Prayer, which is a template for all prayer. Jesus said, after this manner, therefore pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that interesting? Before I get to the petition part, before I get to the give me this day my daily bread part, I'm taught to pray first and foremost, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we should not only want to know the will of God, we should be anxious to know God's will. First Peter 4.2 says, don't spend the rest of your life chasing after evil desires, but be anxious to do the will of God. It's not something I have to do, it should be something I want to do. The psalmist said in Psalm 40 verse eight, I delight to do your will, O God. Yes, your law is written in my heart. So listen, the will of God is not an option for the true Christian. And I'll tell you this, that after over 40 years of walking with the Lord, uh, a lot of times finding God's will is something that just sort of unfolds as I take steps of faith. It's not like I wake up every morning and I, and I God audibly speaks to me. Okay, great, here's the plan for today. Here's the blueprint, check it out. No, he just leads me a step at a time. And that's because God's will is not an itinerary, it's an attitude. And the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. So I read the word of God, I pray for direction, and I just start taking steps. And guess what? I find myself smack dab in the will of God. Let's not overly mystify this. Let's understand God wants to unfold His will to each and every one of us. God's way becomes clear when we start walking in it. He does speak. So we need to say, Lord, teach me your will. All right, well, the best place to start is pick up the manual. God's given us the manual 
on how to know His will. And it's right here and it's called the Bible. So grab your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12 and here are the words of the Apostle Paul on how to know the will of God in your life. Romans 12, I'm reading verses one to two. Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is called a conditional promise. And by that I mean there is a promise, and the promise is you can know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The conditions are I must do what He tells me to do first, and that is to present myself to Him and not be conformed to this world. But Paul begins with the word therefore. I beseech you therefore. By the way the word beseech just means I urge you. I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you. Brothers, Paul is saying. I, I'm begging you to present yourself to God. Therefore. Therefore what? Well as I've often said whenever you see the word therefore find out what it's there for. And it means he's drawing on what has been previously said. So what has been previously said? Romans 1 to 11. Which basically tells me I'm a sinner separated from God. I can't meet God's standards. I can't keep the law. I can't save myself. But Jesus died for me. And if I'll turn from my sin and put my faith in Him and Him alone, I am forgiven. I'm adopted into God's family. And I'm justified. In light of this, Paul is saying, in light of all that God has done for you, this is what you ought to be doing for Him. Present yourself to Him. A modern translation of verses one and two put it this way. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. That's a good translation. And I think we need to understand this is to everybody. You might say, well, you know, I think those who are called to ministry should do that, and I'm not really called to ministry. You know, I think this is directed to every follower of Jesus Christ. We're all called to glorify God with our life, no matter what our vocation in life is. Yes, some are called to be evangelists. Yes, some are called to be pastors. Yes, some are called to be worship leaders, and others are called to be uh, missionaries. That's all fantastic but we also need more Christian doctors and we need more Christian nurses and we need more Christian, wait for it, lawyers. And we need more, yes. And we need more believers glorifying God in business, in entertainment, in sports. We need more godly police officers. We need more godly firefighters. We need more godly first responders. We need more Christians in the military. And we need more Christians, especially in politics. We do. Everywhere we need Christians. Honoring the Lord with the gifts that He has given to them. Pastor Greg Laurie will have the second half of his message in just a moment. We love hearing stories of how the movie Jesus Revolution is inspiring people in their faith walk. Pastor Greg, evangelism has always been my husband's calling until 11 years ago when he burned out from the stress of ministry after 23 years. The Jesus Revolution movie ignited a spark that has begun to fan into flame 
when after all these years he gave a sermon and his testimony at a small home church last Sunday. He is now considering going back into ministry. Thank you, Pastor Greg. If you have a story to share, why not call us and give us all the details? Here's the number, 1-866-871-1144, And now Pastor Greg continues his practical message based in Romans called How to Know the Will of God. So what do I need to do? Number one, verse one, present your body as a living sacrifice. What does that mean? It means give your whole being to God. Give your physical body to God. Give your personality to God. Give your present to God. Give your future to God. Give your resources to God. Number one, we need to present our minds. Fill your mind with God's truth, not the junk and twisted worldview of this culture. We need to consciously and proactively choose to think about godly things more often. Philippians 4 says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. So present your mind to God. Number two, present your words to God. Present your tongue to God. Think about what you say before you say it. Over in James 3, 5 it says, the tongue is a small thing, but what enormous damage it can do. A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Think before you speak. Think before you tweet. Think before you hit send on your email. Think before you post it on Facebook. Think before you spread that information. It may not even be true. Think. T-H-I-N-K. It's an acronym. Ask yourself this. T, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? K, is it kind? If it doesn't meet that acronym, don't say it. Well, Greg, if I lived that way, I'd never say anything. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know what enormous damage a tiny spark can do. It can set a forest on fire. That's what words can do. I think it was Spurgeon that said, a lie is halfway around the world why truth is still putting its shoes on. It's amazing how lies spread so quickly. But I know this from experience about a little spark almost starting a forest fire. Years ago I was in Virginia staying at a friend's cabin out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, he didn't have central heating. And he said, the way we heat this cabin is we put logs in this uh, stove right here. And that heats the cabin. And he says, Greg, do you know how to build a fire? I said, uh, does Duraflame count? I did, you know, <laughs> isn't it you turn the gas on light? And no, we don't have gas here. And we don't use Duraflame logs. You have to build a fire. Do you know how to build one? I said, actually, I don't know that I do. And he said, well, let's go get some kindling. I said, great, where do you buy that? He looks at me like you're such a moron. He said, you don't buy kindling. You get it off the ground. I said, great. Can you show me what it looks like? So we're walking around and and he's showing me what kindling is. You know, dried up little branches and things like that. And so he comes and he builds a fire, gets a great fire going. He says, now here's the deal. This fire will fill up with ash. So you take the ash and you put it in a metal bucket. And then you can put more wood in the fire and you got to keep this thing going perpetually. 
And sure enough at about 11 o'clock at night it's getting cold. I'm putting more logs in. But the problem is there was a lot of ash. So I scooped the ash out, put it in the metal bucket and then it burned through those logs and now I've got too much on my bucket. I've got to empty the bucket. I look at it. It looks good. So I go out on the porch of this little cabin. It's pitch dark out and I throw out the ash and I see about 12 little burning embers. And they went out. Little fire starts. Oh no. Another one. I thought, I'm going to burn the whole forest down. I freak out. I literally run out there. I'm picking up these live embers with my hands, throwing them up on the gravel driveway, praying, oh God, help. Oh God, help. Then I run in the house for a bucket to fill with water. It's like the smallest bucket I've ever seen. I thought, I'm going to burn the whole forest down. And I did. It was sad. No, I didn't. Fortunately those little fires didn't go too far. And, but that's just what a little burning coal can do. The same is true of our words. And we need to present our hands and feet to God. Your body to God. Proverbs 6.16 6, says, There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things He detests. Notice each one of these is a body part. Haughty eyes, which means an arrogant look. A lying tongue. Hands that kill the innocent. A heart that plots evil. And feet that race to do wrong. <laughs> Some people have feet that race to do wrong. Let me put it another way. They're called toddlers. <laughs> right? They learn how to walk and they're just, you, you have to follow them everywhere, everywhere. And you know, they, they just don't know what they're doing yet. But this, some people are this way. They're just always looking for things to destroy or ways to wreak havoc. No, God doesn't want us to do that. Present that to God. You present your feet to God. We talked earlier in Romans about how beautiful are the feet of those that bring the gospel. So we present our minds. We present our words. We present our actions. And yes, we also present our finances. If you've really given your heart to God, it will affect your finances. And let me turn that around. If it hasn't affected your finances, have you really given your whole heart over to the Lord? You know, in 2 Corinthians 8.5, Paul writes about the generous believers who lived in Macedonia. These people were not wealthy. But they heard about a need and they gave generously. And Paul commends them and he says, this they did giving themselves to the Lord. So before they gave their finances, first they gave themselves and the finances followed. So give your heart to the Lord. Number two, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the way, the Greek verb used here for conform refers to the act of assuming an outward appearance that does not accurately reflect what is within. In other words, don't masquerade as if you really belong to the world. That would be patterning yourself inconsistently with who you really are. Think of Halloween. Maybe you dress up as a character. Like last year I was SpongeBob SquarePants. And, <laughs> no actually I wasn't. But um, you know, you put on a mask. Oh, I'm Captain America. Oh, you know, she's Wonder Woman or whatever. And you, you pretend, but that's not really who you are. So the idea that Paul's communicating is don't pretend to be something you are not. Don't be conformed to this world or as the J.B. Phillips translation puts it, don't let this world squeeze you into its mold. So present yourself to God. Don't be conformed to this world. Here's the question you need to ask yourself. 
Are you going to be a conformer or are you going to be a transformer? A conformer or a transformer? You're either going to be conformed to this world or you're going to transform the world or you're going to be a thermostat or a thermometer. A thermometer tells you what the temperature is and a thermostat sets it. So you know, you can be a thermometer. You just react, hey, whatever it is, I'll, I'll blend in with that. Or you can be the thermostat. You say, I'm going to set the temperature of this room. I'm going to walk into this room and I'm going to be a light for Jesus Christ. Or I'm going to cave in and compromise and try not to stand out in any way. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what is the good an acceptable and perfect will of God. God's will is good. Great insights on discovering the will of God here on A New Beginning. Today, Pastor Greg Laurie is continuing our study tour through Romans called Relentless Grace. Well, we're so excited to make available the new film, Jesus Revolution, on DVD. People have been asking about it. Pastor Greg, we've seen questions on social media about what situations in the movie were just as they happen, and then situations where they took a little creative liberty. Ah. So let me ask you about these things. First, did you really come to know the Lord after hearing Lonnie Frisbee speak? Yeah, that's true. Now, in the movie... I come to Christ right before I'm baptized. The reality is, and for folks that listen to our radio broadcast, you've heard me tell my story quite a few times, but yes, I was on my high school campus, and that's sort of reflected in the film, where you see Lonnie get up, and, and you hear a little of his message, and then he says, Jesus says, you're for me or against me. That's exactly what Lonnie said, and that was a statement that got my attention and I walked forward on my high school campus. A little detail on that I didn't know until recently. I found out that normally that Christian group met in the science room on the high school campus. Hmm. But on that particular day, the air conditioning was broken, so they moved outside. They normally did not meet on the front lawn. That's where I came across the Christians. Had they been in a classroom, I would have never walked in that room and wow. I would have felt too conspicuous and I wouldn't yeah. have done it. But because it was out on neutral territory, so to speak, I went and sat close enough where I could eavesdrop on their conversation. And that is the day I came to Christ. So I believe it was all orchestrated by the Lord. Oh, absolutely. So did Lonnie Frisbee really show up at Pastor Chuck's house when Chuck wasn't expecting it? Well, the real story is Kay Smith had a real burden for the hippies, and she was really praying for them to come to Christ. In fact, there was a group of kids that would walk by her house every day. There were young stoner-type kids, and she would pray, Lord, reach those kids. Reach one of those young boys there for the gospel. And as it turns out, and I found this out years later— I was part of that little gang of kids because mm. we used to get stoned. That's six East vernacular for, you know, smoke weed. We would get stoned at a house not far from where Chuck and Kay lived. I didn't know Chuck and Kay lived in that neighborhood, and we would walk right by our house. So mm. she, in effect, was praying for me as well as the others. But um, so Chuck did want to meet a hippie, and his daughter, Jan, did meet a young hippie man named John Higgins who introduced him 
to Lonnie Frisbee, who was then brought to the house yeah. of Chuck Smith. Yeah, it was a long way around the barn to say Lonnie came to Chuck's house. Yes. <laughs> okay, so the historic band, Love Song, which yes. we're all familiar with, yeah. did they really get their start by informally sort of auditioning for Pastor Chuck that one day at his church? Yeah, they did. In the movie, it happens in his front room, but in real life, it happened in his church. Mm. Uh, at this point, Lonnie was preaching at Calvary. The reputation was spreading quickly. There's this hippie preacher at this church called Calvary Chapel. So Love Song shows up. They're an existing band already, just playing clubs and other things. But they had all become Christians just recently. In fact, Tommy Coombs, one of the members of Love Song, was still going to jail on the weekends. <laughs> and uh, so they auditioned in Chuck's office. They said, hi, we're Love Song. We have some songs. Chuck's a little mm, skeptical, wouldn't you be? And they start playing, and he couldn't believe it. Chuck began to weep as they played these beautiful songs that the Lord gave them. And uh, and Chuck said, would you like to play tonight? And that's how Love Song got started. That's amazing. Well, uh, you know, the movie has, has fascinated people. It's inspired people. Many have been brought to the Lord through the film. Mm-hmm. And now we're bringing the film home, quite literally. We're bringing this to people's homes. That's right. You can now have your own DVD copy of the Jesus Revolution film. Now, I know it's streaming. You've probably seen it out there in different platforms like Apple and Amazon. But here's what's unique about the Harvest Edition of the Jesus Revolution DVD. You get the movie, but then you get bonus content you won't get anywhere else, including a special cinematic message I shot on the beach that is designed to be shown right after a person has viewed the film. I'm telling them how they can come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I even lead them in a prayer. Mm. So this is a great tool. I think it's one of the best evangelistic tools out there, and I think it's the greatest resource we have ever offered here at Harvest by a country mile. So I'm encouraging you now to order your own copy of the Jesus Revolution DVD. Order it from us and start doing evangelistic outreaches in your front room. Yeah, that's right. We really want to put a copy of this in your hands. And we'll send you this new DVD, along with a free streaming code, to thank you for your partnership right now, your investment so a new beginning can continue to come your way. And by the way, the resource costs us more than we normally pay for other resources. So thanks so much for your generosity right now. You can call us anytime at 1-800-821-3300. That's 1-800-821-3300. Or write us at A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. Or go online to harvest.org. Well, next time, join us for more insight on this practical issue of finding and following God's will for our lives. Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher, Greg Laurie. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Harvest Ministries, follow this show and consider supporting it. Just go to harvest.org. And to find out how to know God personally, go to harvest.org and click on Know God.